We're loaded on today's Cigar Dave show. Here are the top items. Buy cigars, win the lottery. Nicaraguan cigars at risk of a Cuban-style embargo. Tasteless and classless 9-11 theme menu. Trump, right again. My bills win big. I'm still the king. And my Labor Day brisket is a huge succulent hit. The Cigar Dave Show is presented by Davidoff of Geneva and their Avo portfolio of cigars, including the Avo Heritage, crafted through centuries of traditions. Avo Heritage was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar with strength, complexity, and impeccable smoothness. Savor every note of the spice-laden Avo Heritage, available at DavidoffGeneva.com and by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the new Gurkha Revenant. The five-country fusion of exceptionally aged tobaccos will immediately jumpstart your senses for a cigar journey that only Gurkha can deliver. Offered in both Corojo, Maduro, and now Connecticut presentations. Fire up a new Gurkha Revenant today. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. This is the Cigar Dave Show with the General. Long-ash greetings and salutations, a long-ash snappy salute, semper delictatio, always pleasure, long live the alpha, make masculinity great again, screw the enemies of pleasure, hashtag red wave, it is your global five-star general, an alpha male in chief, Cigar Dave, the general front and center, reporting for duty from a classified, clandestine, Ford Theater of Operations somewhere in the North American continent. Now, there's all this talk about the Queen passing. Yes, Queen Elizabeth at 96 has left the throne. She had a hell of a run. What, 70 years? May she rest in peace. Not a big fan of the monarchy. But all this talk about a new king, there is no new king. I have been the king of coronas for the past 27 years. There is no abdicating my throne. There is no change in the throne. I'm still wearing the imperial margarine crown as we conduct alpha male pleasure maneuvers today. So I'm still on my throne, still the king, no change. However, at Buckingham Palace, where the very uptight Brits, sorry, Mick the Brit, I'm going to make fun of the monarchy. Yes, I am. Even though I'm sure all of Britain is in mourning, look, the woman had a great run. She was on the throne for 70 years. 96. God bless her. But the reality is, you know, I know, with the exception of the British people, again, sorry again, Mick the Brit, the monarchy is the most foolish, waste of money, absolute farce on the planet. To think that this family deserves to be showered with millions and millions of taxpayer-funded dollars to live in all these castles, to live the good life, to point their fingers at everyone else saying, yes, we must save the planet. We must, we must worry about climate change and conserve while they're flying off on private jets, living in 500,000 square foot palaces and castles, taking their hunting dogs and whacking all these, these various animals and fowl. Please. 
I know Mick the Brit would say, well, General, though, General, sir, General, please, 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 General, wait. They provide massive amounts to the Treasury through tourism. Please, stop it. You think people would stop visiting Buckingham Palace to look at it if there wasn't a king or a queen? This is why our founding forefathers, number one, beat the Brits' ass. And number two said, we're not having a king or a monarchy here in the United States. We're not going to fund that deal. And I hear everyone saying, oh, this is just, I mean, wall-to-wall news coverage wherever you go. And I can just see King Charles III now saying to himself, oh, damn it. If she only would have gone sooner, I could have sat on the throne wearing my big imperial margarine crown and my, my uniform in red with all the medals that I didn't win and the big sash running across my chest. And I could have my sword and I could be living the dream as the king for the last 30 years. But no, she had to live till 96. You just know, at 75, he's thinking... How long do I have in this gig? I don't have that long. Of course, his kid, what is it? Prince William? Is that who it is? Prince William's the first in line. He'll probably get to sit on there for probably 20, 30 years and wear the imperial margarine, uh, margarine crown and live the good life. By the way, the queen consort, as Camilla's going to be called, queen, I would say, bow wow, wolf, total dog, but that would be an insult to dogs and canines across the world. So I will not say that, but, oh, she's 76, a year older than Charles, King Charles III, and she looks 176. But make no mistake, they may have changed the monarchy in Britain, but this king of coronas still sitting on my alpha throne. All right, my Buffalo Bills kicked off the National Football League season two nights ago. What? A phenomenal game. An absolute beatdown of the, the Los Angeles sheep. Because that's really what a ram is, a male sheep. The Los Angeles sheep. Bill's Mafia out in full force. I got a kick out of Matthew Stafford, the quarterback for the Los Angeles sheep, saying we had to go on a silent count. We're used to it because there were so many fans from the opposing team in our stadium. Bill's Mafia dominated Los Angeles. I talked to Laura Korn, luscious Laura, who's our noted relationship expert and Valentine's Day guest, the author of 101 Nights of Great Sex, 101 Nights of what, great, you name it, great, great positions, great sex, great, uh, great fellatio, all those books. She wrote them all. She attended the game wearing Los Angeles sheep garb, and I said, I'm sorry. Number one, the sheep are going to get spanked. Number two, you are out of the honorary harem. And after the game, she said, got to give it to you, General, your Bills and Bills Mafia. She sat in a section full of Bills Mafia. She said, great great group of, of people. They kicked our ass. I want reinstatement into the harem. And I said, I'm sorry. There is a 90-day mandatory waiting period. Maybe we'll let her back in. Depends on how she demonstrates the 101 nights of great fellatio on this five-star general and the king of Coronas. Cigars, I always say, no matter what happens, 
Cigars bring you good favor, good luck, good cheer, bring in good relationships. You never know who you're going to meet. I always tell the story about the number of people and celebrities and interesting interesting folks I've met along the way just by smoking a cigar or having an extra cigar with me where people say, oh, I love cigars. I'm like, here, have a cigar, sit down. Did that with Willard Scott, the late great Willard Scott, the former NBC Today Show personality for many, many years. Met him at uh, the Washington National Airport. Coming back to Tampa, it was, I think, 1996, 1997. And that was before Hertz had the computerized people with the remote computer, where you could just, you know, you'd pull up, they'd scan the, uh, the little windshield sticker, check the mileage, check the fuel, bing, and they would print out your receipt and you'd be on your way. This was before that. I'm standing in a line. I'm late for a flight. And I'm looking at my watch. Guy behind me says, Look like you're running late. I turn around. It's Willard Scott. I said, I sure am. He goes, listen, I'll be happy to return your car for you. I go, really? He said, sure. Just give me your thing. Write your address down, and I'll be happy to send it to you. I said, well, that's awfully nice of you. I appreciate that. And I mean, if you can't trust Willard Scott, who could you trust? And I had a cigar. I said, Willard, you don't smoke cigars by any chance. He goes, oh, I love cigars. I pulled out of my briefcase. I had a three-pack of Questeray 1884s. I remembered very well. That's when they sold their Questeray 1884 and Questeray 95 with the Cameroon wrapper at all the drugstores. Walgreens, CVS, Phase Drugs, which is now, I think, part of Walgreens. Um, Eckerd's, which was big in Florida. Now, I think, same thing. That was taken over, I don't know, by CVS, Walgreens, whatever. So I gave it to him. And he said, oh, my God, you don't have to do that. I said, absolutely. I really appreciate it. And... He said, I love cigars. Oh, he goes, I love these. He says, Cuesta Ray. He said, where are, you, where are you from? I said, well, I, I live in Tampa now. He said, oh, Cigar City. I said, actually, I do this nationally syndicated radio show on cigars and the alpha male lifestyle. Could I get you on? He goes, absolutely. He starts writing his phone number down, his home number. He goes, yeah, give me a call. I'll come on anytime. I had him on several times. Could have been nicer. Cigars bring luck. I have Exhibit A right in front of me. Sherrod Hawkins of Palmyra, Virginia walks into a local convenience store to buy cigars. As he is checking out, paying for his cigars, he looks up and he sees a Virginia Lottery payday bonus scratch-off ticket. And he said, eh, okay. He tells the guy, the clerk, go ahead and give me that ticket. That one right there. Pulls the ticket, takes the cigars, takes the ticket, goes back to his car gets into his car, and he takes out a little coin, and he starts to scratch off the ticket. And what does he find? That he won the Virginia Lottery Payday Bonus Scratch-Off Ticket's top prize, $500,000, a half mil. He looks at it again and says, this can't be right. Sure enough, he wins it. The chance of winning... That payday bonus prize, that half million, one in one million six hundred and seventy-two thousand eight hundred. Let's just round it up to one in one point seven million, shall we? One in one point seven million. He's buying a box of cigars. If that is not divine intervention, if that is not karma, I don't know what is. Good for Mr. Hawkins, and he said he's going to use the prize money to care for his family, help his dad retire. Congratulations to Sherrod Hawkins of Palmyra, Virginia. The moral of the story, cigars. 
something we enjoy, something we have passion for. It is a bonding tool. It can be a good luck charm in this case. Never underestimate the power of the cigar. Cuban cigars have been embargoed in the United States since, uh, what, 1962 when President Kennedy signed the Cuban Embargo Act. Now, there was a time during the Obama administration you could go to Cuba and come back with, I think, $100 worth of cigars or Cuban rum. That has since been changed. In the Central America Caribbean Basin, we have seen dictators, thugs, strongmen throughout history. Fidel Castro, Raul Castro in Cuba. We see in Central America there have been strongmen, there have been dictators, there have been thugs. Attempts to overthrow democracy in Honduras. The Honduran people voted for a strict one four-year term presidency, strict term limit, can't run again. Well, one of the Honduran presidents a number of years ago tried to challenge that and uh, become dictatorial in nature, and he essentially was overthrown. But just down to the south, in Nicaragua, we have seen President Daniel Ortega, who was initially elected way back, served his term and left, and then won again, I think four years ago, six years ago, whatever it is. And he has, over the, his term, along with his wife, who is the vice president of Nicaragua, talk about nepotism. They have consolidated power. They have, throughout the last number of years, gone after all their political opponents. They have jailed their political opponents. They have jailed media who have been critical of the Ortega regime. Sound familiar, doesn't it? Sounds like what's happening here in the United States right now. And now there has been relations between Nicaragua and Russia, whereby Russia is now staging troops, planes, and ships in Nicaragua that began in June. Of course, the brain-dead Biden regime has called the action a regional security threat, but yet nothing happens. Why? Because nobody is afraid of brain-dead Biden. Nobody. Even his fellow Dems, they're not afraid of him. Putin walks right into Ukraine. Think that would have happened under President Donald J. Trump? No chance. China spouting off about Pelosi and uh, American officials visiting Taiwan getting aggressive with all sorts of threats. Think that would have happened under President Donald J. Trump? No chance. And now Ortega saying, come on in, Putin, and your Russian troops. Stage your, your, your military here. Think that would have happened under Trump? No chance. But we have seen the erosion of democracy in Nicaragua. There's going to be an upcoming election in Ortega's going to win. Why? Because he has jailed his opponents. Just like brain-dead Biden and Attorney General of the Department of Injustice, Merrick Garland, would love to do to Trump, love to indict him for absolute fabricated bullshit charges. 
There's no difference with what is taking place currently in the United States with what's taking place in Nicaragua. The only difference is the U.S. is certainly far larger, far bigger, and now is going after Nicaragua saying, not so fast. And according to an article published in the voiceofamerica.com, two top U.S. officials in the brain-dead Biden administration are considering a Nicaraguan import ban as relations between the two countries deteriorate. This is very interesting. In 2019, the United States imported a total of 4.3 billion worth of goods from the country. The top imports, apparel, gold, electrical machinery, meat, coffee, sugar, and cheese. Since when are we buying Nicaraguan beef? Who knew? Who knew we're buying Nicaraguan cheese? Electrical machinery? Since when is Nicaragua know for, uh, known for being an electrical machinery powerhouse? Cigars, yes. Well, if cigars get en- end up getting caught up in this potential ban on Nicaraguan imports, a, a, a de facto embargo, the U.S. cigar industry would be impacted dramatically. Nicaragua is the number one producing country for premium cigars. Number one, by far. Dominican Republic was number one. That changed. It's now Nicaragua, Dominican, Honduras. From January 1 until May 31st of this year, 98 million premium cigars were imported from Nicaragua. And if they could have made another 40 million cigars, they would have been imported as well. There's huge demand right now. The value is probably 130, 140 million at factory cost or wholesale cost from the factory. That's not retail cost. But that is a very sizable amount of exports for Nicaragua. The Nicaraguan cigar industry employs thousands and thousands of people. It's a well-paying job in Nicaragua. It would devastate, number one, the cigar manufacturers that, such as Padron, such as Drew Estate, A.J. Fernandez, Perdomo, Oliva, Agonorsa, Placencia, uh, uh, numerous other manufacturers. Rocky Patel is a factory in Nicaragua. It would be devastating, and it would be devastating to the U.S. consumer. It would cause a massive premium cigar shortage. The Cigar Premium Cigar Association has been actively monitoring the deteriorating relationship between Nicaragua and the United States. And, of course, their job, along with the Cigar Association of America, is to make sure that the importation of Nicaraguan cigars continues. But this is a fight far bigger than just the cigar industry. So we will keep an eye on it. Would you ever think in a million years that Nicaragua could be joining Cuba for a cigar embargo? Never would have thought of it. And what has happened is when Nicaragua, when the Sandinistas under Ortega came in and started destroying cigar manufacturing operations and burning fields, what happened? The Arturo Fuente family. Numerous other families said, we're leaving Nicaragua. We have to go somewhere else. They went to Honduras. They went to the Dominican Republic. 
That's how Fuente got to the Dominican Republic in the first place. They just announced several months ago the groundbreaking of a new factory in Nicaragua. This could change everything. So you had all these cigar manufacturers, many of them going to Honduras, Dominican Republic, and then when all of a sudden democracy returned to Nicaragua, the manufacturers returned. Why? Great growing conditions in Nicaragua. Almost better than Cuba. Phenomenal ability to grow great cigars in Ometepe, in Jalapa, in Condega. Excellent cigar tobaccos. Labor was available. You could have a find land to build factories, to build farms. That is all in question. A lot still has to take place before there's an actual ban on Nicaraguan imports, but we will certainly keep an eye on it because that could absolutely affect your ability to go buy a cigar, one of your favorite Nicaraguan cigars, especially now we've seen empty shelves because of supply issues and, and other issues that have gone on because of the tremendous demand, the last thing we want to see is more pressure being put on cigar manufacturers and cigar retailers' inventory. Everybody thinks, oh, geez, if a company's cigars are back-ordered, that's great. No, it's not, because they want consumers to be able to walk into a retailer and see their brand on the shelf. What happens if you go into a supermarket and you drink Coca-Cola. You love Coke. All of a sudden, Coke is not on the shelf. Are you going to stop drinking colas at all? No, you're going to find an alternative. Maybe you go to Pepsi. Maybe you go to a, a, a supermarket brand. But whatever happens, Coca-Cola no longer gets that market share. Same thing with cigar manufacturers. I used to always say, well, geez, this is what a great problem to have. And they said, Dave, no, not at all. We want our cigars there. We want our cigars available for purchase so that when a consumer walks in the door, they know they will be able to find that cigar. The last thing they want is to have closed boxes or empty boxes for their brands. Doesn't work. So we will keep an eye on things, and we will certainly let you know where that is headed. Right now, don't panic. If you like a certain favorite Nicaraguan cigar, maybe you want to stock up a little just to be on the safe side. Not saying it's going to happen. May never happen. Could happen. We don't know, but we will certainly keep an eye on things. But you are hereby forewarned. As always, this general it is my mission to make sure that you are properly informed, properly educated, because let's face it, as alphas, we're up to date on current events. We aren't like 50-plus percent of the population that are ignorant, that are uninformed, ill-informed, misinformed. We think for ourselves. We have the information. We deal in facts, not in fiction or fairy tales. When I come back, I can tell you something that is somewhat of a fairy tale. That is the ability to enjoy a fantastic cigar and a fantastic libation every week on our International Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony, and it is coming up next. 
I had the pleasure of knowing the late, great Avo Uvesian, the man behind the Avo lineup of cigars. And Avo had a great saying. He would tell me, savor every note. Well, one cigar that I can tell you, you will savor every puff, savor every note, is the Avo Heritage. It was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar. Strength, complexity, impeccable smoothness, nice notes of spice. If you are looking for a cigar that delivers full-bodied richness, impeccable smoothness, savor every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Well, I have pulled out a cigar that... We're talking about Nicaraguan cigars, so it is only appropriate that we pull out a cigar with Nicaraguan origin. One of the cigars that was launched, oh, maybe about a year, two years ago, the Camacho Nicaragua. Ab Look, Camacho has had phenomenal success. They have done an mag absolutely magnificent job in reblending and some some of their brands have been reblended but adding new blends new packaging new imaging just phenomenal and it's got that edge you know it's bold when you think of camacho you think alpha you think bold you know they have some cigars the camacho connecticut is a mild-bodied cigar but still packed with flavor but the camacho nicaragua when they came out with that first of all the band the orange and black band caught my eye. Just stands right out. The box is this shiny, glossy orange. And as a member of the Syracuse Orangeman Alumni, class of 86, which, by the way, my Syracuse Orangeman destroyed Louisville. The Louisville Cardinals. Big win at the Formerly at the arena formerly known as the Carrier Dome. It's now called, I don't know, some some other JSM Wireless or something other. It's the Dome. Huge win. Didn't see that one coming. But this, as soon as I saw orange, I'm like, look, I'm a, orange and blue are my favorite colors. I'm Syracuse uh, alum, orange men. Come on. It just, I got to try this cigar. Uses a complex filler blend from Nicaragua, Honduras, the Dominican Republic. Honduran binder and an Ecuadorian wrapper. What you get is a medium to full-bodied profile with some sweetness, some spice, some oak, some pepper, a little bit of cinnamon, just a very unique cigar. So even though this uses, it's called Nicaragua, but it's really a multi-country blend, but their Nicaraguan cigar tobaccos that are in there really give it some nice, zesty bursts of flavor. Comes in three sizes. Comes in a Churchill, 7x56. It comes in a Robusto, a 5x52. Comes in a Toro, 6x50. And that is exactly what I have pulled out right now. I have got the Toro. Six inches in length with a 50 ring gauge. This is just a beautiful looking cigar. Wow, the aroma is absolutely fantastic. Oh. Mm. Just, I could just smell the wrapper of this cigar. Just sweetness, nice earthiness. 
Wow, it is very, very pleasant. You're looking at about $9.5 suggested retail for the cigar. I should say anywhere between 9 to $10, dollars It's a beautiful-looking cigar. Again, when you think of Camacho, you think certainly of boldness, but this is not a Puro, not all Nicaraguan. At first glance, you may think this is a Nicaraguan Puro, Nicaraguan wrapper, filler, binder. No, no, no. Uses some fantastic Nicaraguan filler, but a four-country blend that is Magnifico. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. Earlier this week, I was out and about. Several gentlemen took out cigars where I was. I did not have a cutter with me. I did not have my my cigar accoutrements because I was not planning on smoking a cigar. And I see these guys, they're out at a restaurant, and they don't have a cutter. And they're complaining, oh, we can't smoke a cigar. So immediately I interceded. I said, gentlemen, excuse me. I heard you say you want to smoke cigars, but you don't have a cutter. May I teach you a technique that is a fail-safe, no matter what? And they said, oh, absolutely. I said uh, to one of them, now, do you have an extra cigar? And they said, sure. I said, because I'm going to demonstrate, and I'm going to use my hand on this. So I don't want to give it back to you and you put it in your mouth. They said, ah, no problem. Gave me the cigar, and I showed them. The tool that I'm using is my thumbnail. I learned this from Manuel Casada. Casada Cigars when I was visiting the Dominican Republic many years ago. I didn't have a cutter on me. I said, Manuel, do you have a cutter? General. He said, do what we do in the factory. If you're going to be a pro at this, you got to do what the pros do, what the master blenders do, what the manufacturers do. And he showed me how to use my thumbnail as a way to remove the cap. Now, you take your thumb. Now, if you bite your nails, you're screwed. You're not going to be able to do this. So what you do is you take your thumb and you will use it almost as if just a little bit of a, almost like a little knife. You will take your thumbnail and right around the cap, you're going to look at the top of the cigar. The way we describe the cigar, we have the top of the cap, then we have the cap and it goes down to the shoulders. The shoulders is where the the cap starts to curve. I am going to use my thumb just above the shoulders, just above where it curves, and I'm going to just dig in with my thumb. I'm going to dig one and just go around the cigar, taking my time, and I'm just putting an indentation, very small indentations in a contiguous manner around the cigar, around the cap. All right, and now I'm almost all the way through. I am, and I have just pulled it off, and I'm going to take a picture of this. So you can all see this. This is very important. I want to demonstrate this, so I'm going to show you exactly what this looks like. So there is the cap. And Sergeant Steve, I will send this to you, and we can post it. And there we go. So now what happens is you can actually see where I've... It's not overly pretty, but it's clean. It's better than using your... Your, t- or your mouth, your your chompers, you don't want to do that. I've seen people that do that, just not going to do that. Sergeant Steve, I'm going to send this to you right now so I don't forget. Because I'm going to take my time here, enjoying this fantastic, just the ambiance of where I am, getting away from the heat and humidity of the Cigar City of Tampa. So as I send this to you, Sergeant Steve, I'm going to send you a high-quality photo of this. All right, and it is now sent. You will see what it looks like. Is it the prettiest? No. 
Is it better than using your chompers? Yes. I'm going to now put the cigar in my mouth. Let's see what the draw is like. Nice draw. No problem. Mm-hmm. Now, some people may want to take a little bit more of the cap off. I don't. To me, this is just a very elegant, nice way if you were in a bind. And when I when I showed the, the two gentlemen and they did it, they looked and said, I can't believe that. That's incredible. Thank you so much. We've got to give this cigar to you. I said, look. I said, I'm going to, I appreciate the gesture, but let me tell you, give you a suggestion. When you get back home, what I want you to do is take that cigar that I cut and go down about maybe a quarter of an inch and then use your double-edged cutter. Just remove the top. You'll be good to go. Because I purposely made sure I didn't handle the cigar with my, I used my right thumbnail. I purposely handled the cigar holding the cigar on the band so I didn't touch the rest of the cigar. They were very appreciative. They couldn't believe it. I left, shook their hands as the king of Coronas, the global five-star general, alpha male in chief. My mission was accomplished. So now my mission is accomplished using my thumbnail to cut the cap of this Camacho Nicaragua. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. Last night... The location I'm at, I used the barbecue grill. And to light the grill, I used one of those long butane lighters. You've seen the one, looks, you've got a handle, you've got to hit a button to click it, and there's probably about a maybe five, six inch long cylindrical tube, and the flame comes out the end because you have to stick it in the grill or it's used to light a fireplace. And I said, it works so well, let me try it on my cigar today during litation. Again, do I prefer using one of these Cigar Dave R&D Laboratories butane-type lighters? Sure. But there are times when I want to go old school, when I want to use a cedar cigar match, or even a regular match. Or in this case, good old-fashioned barbecue lighter or fireplace lighter. Can't go wrong. I tell people when they see when I when I smoked a cigar yesterday and they saw they're like I can't believe you used that I said it works doesn't it all we're interested in fire we need fire we need heat to cause combustion it works that's what I'm going to use today nothing fancy but it works cigar, cigar pre-lightation checklist complete no faults detected area clear of all enemies of pleasure approval to go throttle up in three two one well I already used my thumbnail to cut the cap, remove the cap, and now I'm just using, and you're not gonna hear any SST flame because it is a butane flame, all right? It's kind of our adult proof. You gotta hit a special button in order to hit the trigger. All right, I'm toasting the foot of this cigar. Beautiful. I've got the wrapper that is now lit. No wind where I am today, even though I'm outdoors. You can probably hear some outdoor sounds, some lawn being cut, some traffic. All right, let me now toast the foot of the cigar, and now I'm going to puff and rotate. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got a little bit of a breeze, so I have to cover the cigar with my hand, and I have to relight. No problem. Mm. Very nice. Oh, yeah. Definitely getting some spice some peppery notes. 
Mm. I'm going to blow out. Then I'm going to blow on the foot of the cigar. Perfect, perfect even amber glow. Let me blow it one more time. Why do we blow out? After you light it, you may get some of the impurities. There's really no impurities for butane. But you want to just take one exhale, puff out. That way, anything that's any the during lightation, during the ignition process, you get out of the foot of the cigar. You can just let it sit for just a few seconds. And now I'm going to take another puff, taking my time. No rush. Mm. This is my victory cigar from two nights ago. When the Bills whacked the Los Angeles sheep, the Rams. It's a sheep. It's a male sheep. 31 to 10. It should have been probably 53 to 10, but the Bills had four turnovers. Monstrous defense, and yet they still win hands down. So much so that with the last two minutes or so, Los Angeles Sheep head coach Sean McVay wanted to rest his quarterback, Matt Stafford's elbow and arm, and they basically ran it. And a couple of times he tried to throw it, he got creamed, demolished. Seven sacks, loads of pressures and hits on Stafford. He got banged up big time. In fact, he was bloodied a little bit. There was some blood, I think, coming from his cheek. He got whacked big time by the monstrance Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Hashtag burn it all. Hashtag mafia mount up. Hashtag Bills mafia. Hashtag go Bills. Can you tell, Sergeant Steve, can you tell I'm excited about my Buffalo Bills? I'm a little on the fence on how you're feeling. I know, but I'm gonna warm up. I'm going to get more enthusiastic, I promise. Only the first game, I'm trying to trying to maintain composure. Long season, we still have 16 games to go. Just one game. And I, you know what, well, here's the thing. We opened up on Thursday night, and I feel like I'm going to get ripped off this Sunday. I wish the Bills were playing again Sunday to get into that Sunday, you know, routine. Whether it's 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock, whatever the case is. But I feel like I'm getting ripped off. i got to wait 11 days now. Well, now it's less. Now it's uh, 9 days until... The Bills play again on Monday night against the Tennessee Titans at Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park, home of the Bills. But I feel like I'm getting ripped off. You are a little bit, but now you get to sit back and just enjoy the first NFL Sunday. That's true. That's true. There's no stress, no pressure. You know, I was talking to Colonel Ange, several of their friends over the past week, and they said, you know, kind of like those 1 o'clock games. You get up. You work out, you do what you need to do. One o'clock, the game, four o'clock, 4.30, you're done. And I said, that is the price to pay for massive success. We're going to be on national TV, I think, if I'm not mistaken, four or five times this year. I think five, if you include the Thanksgiving Day game where we play the Lions at, uh, I think, 12.30 Eastern time. And also we're on several 4.30 national time slots on Sunday. But that's the price of success. Let's face it. 
Sergeant Steve, you and I both know plenty of 1 o'clock games, being that our Bills and your Cincinnati Bengals for many years weren't exactly, let's say, getting the number one or number two broadcast crews doing those games. They weren't we getting were, the number three or four. No, we were getting like the bottom of the barrel. We, we were getting, we're near, forget 4.30 or 4 o'clock, 1 o'clock, man. Yeah, the if they four, had their way, they'd probably put us at 6 a.m. The 4 o'clock it's, game was only when they played on the West Coast. That's correct. That's Or 4.30 if it's one of the national slots. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, correct. But now Cincinnati and Buffalo obviously being quite uh, excellent teams. We are now starting to see that. How many times are the uh, Bengals on national TV this year? Uh, lots. I don't remember the number. but So I'm sure they got a Sunday night football game. They probably have a Monday night. You definitely have a Thursday mm-hmm. night. Yes, they have all and, that. Yeah. Uh, so, look, it's the price to pay for success. All right, now, Sergeant Steve, we've got the cigar lit. But I will let you hit the next liner because I'm salivating. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. We are celebrating National Bourbon Heritage Month all of September. We are celebrating it not only on the Cigar Dave Show, but our brother podcast, Bold Alpha. And if you have not subscribed yet to Bold Alpha, you should do so. Because every Thursday on Bold Alpha, we drop our weekly spirits celebration. And for the entire month of September... We are featuring various American whiskeys and bourbons to properly celebrate. The end of the month, the last Thursday of the month on Bold Alpha, we will be doing a very unique barrel tasting. Tommy Diadio, Tommy D, our resident sommelier and the executive VP of senior, or correction, senior VP of spirits procurement for the Corona Cigar Company, the three lounges in Orlando and the one in Tampa, soon one in Sarasota. He has gone above and beyond to do something very special. He is, he is bringing in a special sampling of Knob Creek single barrels. We're going to have, I think, six different selections. He's been in touch with the master distiller, talking about what he and I are looking for, the, the taste the various qualities that we are looking for. We will, on the last Thursday of September, for Bold Alpha, we will go ahead and make our final determination for which single barrel we will do, and it will be available for sale at the four Corona cigar stores. Very limited. I think we're going to have maybe, what, 160 bottles? Maybe 180, maybe less? Who knows? Depends on the angel share. But you can be sure, if Tommy and I are picking it out, it's going to be top shelf. So we're very excited about that, and we hope to have that by the uh, holidays this year. So if you've not subscribed already, go to Bold Alpha, and when you listen, give us a five-star review. Today, to celebrate National Bourbon Heritage Month, I'm going to enjoy a spirit that comes out yearly on the anniversary of the birthday of... George Garvin Brown, the founder of Old Forster Bourbon, the namesake of Brown Foreman, which is still in existence today. They own Old Forster. They own Old Forster. They own uh, uh, Woodford Reserve. They own Jack Daniels. Many other brands around the world as well. But Old Forster, every year around September, to commemorate the birthday of founder George Garvin Brown, they release. Their old Forster birthday bourbon. And for many years, it was highlighted because they would age it 
do a secondary aging in a different cask. So for example, by law, bourbon has to be aged in a new charred wood oak barrel. But then what Old Forster would do was take either a wine barrel from one of their wineries they own, or they would take a maplewood barrel, or they would take some other barrel, and they would do a secondary aging, secondary fermentation. And it added a unique complexion. One of my favorites is the Old Forester birthday bourbon from probably 15, 17 years ago that used maple barrels as their secondary aging barrel. Off the charts. And I get a bottle every year thanks to some very good friends at the distributor in Florida for not only Woodford Reserve, Old Forster, Jack Daniels, all the Brown Foreman products. Well, I haven't gotten my full bottle yet. However, I did get a sample dram, maybe 200 milliliters, not much. I have poured some in a glass. Now this year, something very unique, because it's so popular, it's suggested retail is 150 bucks, but it goes for three, four times that every year. Very limited. Brown Foreman will no longer sell the birthday bourbon at their Louisville distillery because there were long lines, it got a little bit crazy, got out of control. They did an online national sweepstakes for the limited allotment of bottles so that consumers all over the country had at least a reasonable chance. You can buy it on the secondary market. Every distributor in every area gets a limited number of bottles, usually goes to their better retailers, so be on the lookout. So I have just poured a sample. I probably have about, mm, I would say, 40, 50 milliliters of the old uh, Forster 2022 birthday bourbon. Now, let me just take, it's got a beautiful, nice caramel color. As I take a whiff on the nose, getting some interesting notes of citrus and some fruit. Hmm. Very interesting. Also getting a little bit of the, the barrel char. So let me do this. Let me say cheers. And let me take a sip of the Old Forster 2022 birthday bourbon. Mmm. Wow. Very smoky. Getting some dark chocolate notes. Take another sip. Mmm. Ooh. Definite charred barrel influences. Getting a little bit of espresso. I'm not sensing the normal amount of caramelized sugar taste that I would get. I'm getting almost more rye and that espresso, maybe a touch of vanilla. Not as much sweetness as the previous Old Forster, and maybe that's due to secondary fermentation that no longer takes place. But this is nice. I've got to take another sip here. Mm. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I still have one sip left to go. Excellent. Very nice. It is 96 proof, 48% alcohol by volume, so the proof is a little bit lighter than last year. Limited availability, very unique bottle, 750 milliliter bottle that resembles the copper still that Old Forster uses. Very, very unique. $150 suggested retail. You'll find it on the secondary market for probably three, four hundred bucks, maybe a little bit more. If you can find one, buy it. Grab it. Definitely worth it. You can never go wrong 
with the old Forster birthday barrel. So a great combination as I take a puff of my Camacho Nicaragua. Mm. Absolutely outstanding. When we return, we're going to talk food. I'll talk about my amazing, succulent, juicy, spectacular, delicious buffalo-style brisket that I smoked for Labor Day weekend. Huge, huge hit. And I'm going to talk about absolute tastelessness at a, at a Virginia Country Club restaurant for their 9-11-themed menu. It is outrageous. It is repulsive. It is repugnant, and I am fired up, and I'll share why around the corner. Question I receive most from connoisseurs. General, what is the newest cigar that I should try? Easy answer. Right now, it's the Gurkha Revenant. Very unique addition to the Gurkha portfolio. It comes in two different wrappers, a Corojo or a San Andrean Maduro wrapper. But what is unique about the Gurkha Revenant. It uses essentially the same Cameroon binder and some broadleaf in the filler. So you're going to get some unique sweetness. You're going to get some unique spice. The San Andres Maduro wrapper adds more sweetness with a little bit more of a unique complexion, whereas the Corojo, more of a medium-bodied balance smoke. Try one of each. You can't go wrong. The brand-new Gurkha Revenant, available in Corojo and San Andres Maduro wrapper. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. 9-11, very big day in American history. We never forget. I remember exactly where I was, September 11th, 2001. We commemorate it tomorrow. We don't celebrate it. We memorialize it. We commemorate that fateful day. I remember where I was. Sergeant Steve, you, I, I know you remember where you were. I do. I was uh, running the show at 700 WLW when the news broke. In Cincinnati? Yes. So were you, were you at the station, a heritage station, 50,000-watt yeah. blowtorch, great, great, I mean, legendary talents. Were you there when the planes hit? I was running the board. Oh, you okay, so you were in the studio. I was running the morning show. Oh, you were? Yes, when we broke in. Well, I remember I was... Uh, in my, in my house at the time, in my townhouse at the time. And uh, the alarm went off about 6.30. And I remember, I think the night before, I'd watched The Sopranos. I'm almost, I'm almost positive. And I remember 6.30, and I was listening to AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris and the late, great, legendary Ted Webb. May he rest in peace. And all of a sudden, Jack said, well, looky here. It looks like a small, we're getting reports of a small plane that's crashed into one of the World Trade Center towers. And I said, I'm a pilot. So the first thing I said is, wait a minute. That's not in the approach at LaGuardia, either of the runways. And the second thing I thought is, was it bad weather? Was it, was it instrument meteorological conditions? Was it cloudy? Did the pilot get disoriented? Did, did he lose uh, uh, you know, uh, spatial control? Well, I immediately turned on the TV, and what I found was it was a bright, sunny day, clear day next thing you know I'm watching and I'm 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 getting ready and I'm you know in amazement I mean amazement I, I just couldn't believe it so I get in the shower and I had a TV in the bathroom as I'm shaving and all of a sudden 
you see the second plane, and I said, this is not a small plane. Chills went down my spine. This is a terrorist attack. What is going on? Literally, maybe a minute later, I get a call from the program director, Sutrikas, at 970 WFLA, which at the time was a award-winning station, phenomenal news talk station. Now it's shit. It's been destroyed. It's basically nothing more than retirement radio, paid garbage programming. But at the time, it was the number one source in Tampa Bay for news, information, weather, breaking news, you name it. Get a call saying, I need you to come in. I said, well, I'm coming. And she goes, now. So I said, sure, I'll help any way I can. And I live maybe about an eight-minute ride on the highway, got in, and basically everybody that was there was helping out, whether it's in the newsroom, on air. And I was there till that evening. And, of course, nobody could believe what took place. It's 21 years later. And I still look and say, I can't believe that took place. It changed America forever. It changed how we travel. It changed everything. Well, we, com- we, we memorialize, we commemorate that day very solemnly. And it's hard to believe that children who were born on that day, tomorrow will be turning 21 years of age. Many of them graduating from college, having barely a recollection of what took place. But if you were above the age of probably 10, 11, you remember vividly what took place. And we can never forget that. It's imperative that we show the future American generations the footage, the documentaries from that day. A Virginia, and and there are there are places, there are there are remembrances, moments of silence. There's still there's still a a ceremony that takes place, the base of the World Trade Center's Lower Manhattan. And one of my pet peeves, and you know this by listening, is when I hear people say Happy Memorial Day. It's not the right salutation or greeting, or a Memorial Day sale. Memorial Day is to remember the fallen brave who remain forever young on the battlefield, who gave it all, their life, the ultimate sacrifice to protect the freedom and our way of life in the United States of America. So I cringe, and and I've talked to business owners saying, have you ever thought about Memorial Day sale, what that really means? And they go, not really. And I told them, and when when I tell them, they say, these are local businesses. I'm talking about the change because you're not going to make any headway there. But I'd like to think you could. And when I say, why don't you do a start of summer sale? And a couple of them said, you know, that's really a great idea. And I'd like to see Lowe's and Home Depot and and Best Buy and every major retailer stop using Memorial Day sale and say start of summer sale. Because Memorial Day sale, to, to, to equate a sale on a dishwasher or a vacuum cleaner or on an article of clothing or on a TV with one of our fallen brave, to me, is just, it's, it's repugnant. I've always also stated that half of not only America, but the world is stupid. And I have gotten shit for it for many people. I have, I have people that listen, that I know, so I can't believe you said that. That is so derogatory and insulting. I said, well, it's true. 
and I don't care. It is regardless of someone's socioeconomic status. It's regardless of their income status. It's regardless of their net worth. It's regardless of their education. Over half of America and the world is stupid. I deal with many people who are highly, highly successful in business or their chosen endeavors. They're very wealthy. They're stupid. I guarantee you have come across many of them where you just shake your head and say, God damn, these people are stupid. I've got a perfect example. George White, the manager of the clubhouse restaurant at Aqua Harbor Country Club in Stafford, Virginia. It's a rural uh, country club, rural Virginia, about 50 miles south of Washington. I believe it's south of Washington. Yeah, 45 miles outside of D.C. It's actually on a waterway that leads to the Chesapeake Bay. So it's probably either south, southeast of D.C. On Tuesday, they released their Patriot Day 2022 Seafood Sunday menu. I'm looking at the menu right now. Sergeant Steve, I know you can post this. You will post this. You will find this. You will be shocked when you see it. To the right, it says on the left, it's got their logo, the clubhouse at Aquia Harbor. It's spelled A-Q-U-I-A. 12 to 9 p.m., limited seating, curbside pickup, 9-11-2022. The headline, Patriot Day 2022 Seafood Sunday. Call ahead to reserve. And on the right, it's got the Remembrance logo of 9-11, where it's got nine, a dot, two large ones, just solid. They look like the the remnants of the world, the, the original World Trade Center with a tower on it, so you know it's the World Trade Center. Another dot, oh, one, and it says, remember, it's in the shape of a pentagon. There's an American flag on the bottom, and it's got the list of Shanksville, Pennsylvania, Arlington, Virginia, New York, to commemorate where the attacks took place. The menu, I, I'm almost speechless. I said almost. Not speechless, but I'm almost speechless. Just flabbergasted, just outraged. It is just so repulsive. It starts with their 2977 chowder, creamy crab and corn with bacon. What does the 2977 commemorate? What's the significance of that number? That is the number of deaths, lives that were taken on September 11, 2001, by these terrorist attacks, by those. Muslim extremists. To name a soup after the 2,977 souls that were lost, that were, that were murdered, outrageous. The next item in the center. Flight 93 redirect. Hot crab dip with crostini. Flight 93 was the United Airlines flight that was overtaken by three or four brave Americans who said, let's roll. We're not going to let this thing go into, the, uh, into Washington or crash. We're going to tr- assume control. They knew they were goners if they didn't do anything, and it's too bad they couldn't subdue the hijackers and bring that plane down. But to name an appetizer dip, the Flight 93 redirect, 
I sure I am sure you are as mortified as I am. Here we have first responder flatbread. Crispy oven-baked flatbread loaded with tender shrimp, fresh tomatoes, spinach, garlic, and mozzarella. I'm sorry, to use first responders flatbread doesn't work for me. Then they have 9-11 oysters. It's just, it's, it's repulsive. Freedom flounder. Grilled filet of sole with fresh tomato, garlic, balsamic glaze, drizzle, served with choice of salad, side, and roll. You know what freedom flounder would be great for on Independence Day? Not to commemorate and memorialize 9-11. Then for dessert, Pentagon pie. Remember, an American Airlines jet was commandeered, crashed into the Pentagon, lives lost, people injured, an attack on our defense headquarters. To name a dessert Pentagon pie trying to be cute, unacceptable. Then they have a Remember Teeny. Key lime rum cream, coconut rum, pineapple juice, splash of cream, served in, uh, served up with whipped cream, honey graham rim. And they've got a bottle of the rum on the left. They've got a picture of the cocktail on the right. And in the center, they've got two hands uh, forming an American heart. Two hands uh, going down, uh, facing down, forming a heart with 9-11 in the center. They put that Remember Teeny, and then they have their Never Forget Sampler. Save 22 bucks, 50 bucks, eating drinks for two. And they've got a Never Forget Flag with 9-11, two cups of 2977 Chowder, Flight 93 Redirect Crab Dip, First Responder Shrimp Flatbread, Freedom Flounder, served with choice of side, salad, and warm rolls, two slices of Pentagon Pies, two Remember Teeny Cocktails. This is absolutely mortifying. It is outrageous. What do I? What did I start this segment with? Half of America and the world are stupid, including George White, the manager of the clubhouse restaurant at the Aquia Harbor in Stafford. It did not take long for massive backlash on social media. It made the rounds on TV stations. User or, or, or readers, viewers were appalled. Members were appalled. White removed the post and apologized. And this is a big area where the Stafford, where the restaurant is located, is a very big area with service members and veterans. George White, the manager of this restaurant, of the clubhouse restaurant at Aquia Harbor Club, posted, I apologize for those I offended with the 9-11 Seafood Sunday Post. Stop right there. I apologize for those I offended. You fucking offended everybody. Every patriotic American. Every family that lost a life or was touched by this. Every American was touched by this. The entire nation. You apologize for those you offended? How about just saying, you jackwagon, I apologize for posting a menu in horrible unacceptable taste. He said my intention was to bring attention to that horrific day 21 years ago. To honor those who lost so much as well as those who gave everything that day, we will have a new theme tomorrow. How about no theme on 9-11? How about just having your restaurant open 
And maybe just putting a flag at half staff. Or maybe a sign saying, we remember 9-11-2001. Let me read this apology one more. This, again, stupid, stupid, stupid. Proves my point. I apologize for those I offended with the 9-11 Seafood Sunday Post. My intention was to bring attention to that horrific day 21 years ago. To honor those who lost so much as well as those who gave everything that day, we will have a new theme tomorrow. For those you offended, you offended everybody. You want to bring attention to that day? By 2977 Shouter, Flight 93 Redirect, First Responder Flatbread, 9-11 Oysters, Pentagon Pie, Remember Teeny, Never Forget Sampler. That's how you want to bring attention to that horrific day? Total jack wagon. If I was the country club, I would have him fired immediately. Proving my point again that half of America and the world is stupid. This guy, I assure you, is probably educated. Clearly knows how to run a restaurant. Well, I shouldn't say that because anybody with, again, half a brain. But again, I'm going right back to my own hypothesis. Half of the world and half of America is stupid. More than half. Education makes no difference. Socioeconomic makes no difference. Background, it doesn't matter how. You could be a billionaire. makes no difference. Stupid is rampant. To think that this clown, I mean, not for even a second to stop and say, wait a minute. I mean, he clearly must have looked. Gee, how many people died on 9-11? I don't know the exact number. So he clearly looked it up. You'd think he would have stopped and said, wait a minute. Yeah, this is going over. This is too far. Flight 93 redirect? I'll tell you what I'd like to do. Why don't we take a Flight 93? Why don't we go ahead? Why don't we take one of those small little, you know, uh, uh, radio-controlled jets Let's call it Flight 93 and fly it right up his ass and then hit the trigger, release a missile, and let this guy explode into smithereens. That would be a more appropriate Flight 93 redirect, and I'll be happy to get to the controls to do it. Outrageous. 9-11 is not the day to get cute. It's not the day to say, hey, let's come up with a cute menu, a cute 9-11-themed menu or a cute 9-11-themed sale. Fly the flag at half-staff. Display the 9-11 Remembrance American logo. And how about putting maybe something on the menu? Today, we remember the 2,977 lives that were taken by the terrorist, vicious terrorist attack on our country, September 11, 2001. We ask that you remember today that horrible event that took place 21 years ago. That's an appropriate way to memorialize and commemorate the observance of the 21st anniversary of the September 11, 2001 attack on America. Let me talk about, let me move, staying in the food category, let me move to a more pleasant subject. As you know, I've become a master pit master. I've talked about this. I've got a pellet grill. I have mastered the ability to create outstanding bark whether on ribs, on briskets, on rib roast, using a pellet grill. For Labor Day, I wanted to do something special. 
wanted to do something a little bit on the unique side. I've made loads of Texas-style briskets. I've seasoned briskets various ways, but I had a thought. Being that I am from Buffalo, being that the Buffalo Bills will be kicking off the National Football League season on national TV later in the week, of course, this was Sunday going into Labor Day Monday, I wanted to do something unique. So on Friday, I used Frank's Buffalo Hot Sauce. Now, they have Frank's Hot Sauce, mild, medium, hot, but they also have created a Buffalo Hot Sauce that also has some garlic and has some vinegar and has some butter. So it's basically all the ingredients you would need to make Buffalo wings. If you put Frank's Hot Sauce, you put the other ingredients, and that is the basis for creating Buffalo-style chicken wings. I had an idea. So I bought a brisket flat. Didn't want to do a whole brisket. Didn't want to do a full packer. I didn't need 15 pounds, but I did about a seven, about an eight-pound brisket flat. Beautiful. Had some of the point on there. Very nice. Trimmed off a little bit of the fat. Didn't require much. I put it in a giant pan. Put on a restaurant-style rubber glove. Started pouring on this hot sauce. And then I started uh, Frank's buffalo sauce. I patted it in, flipped it, patted it in, flipped it. Did that four times. Then what I did is I just added some more and just let it sit for about an hour at room temperature. And then I took some freshly ground coarse pepper. And then I sprinkled it generously on the top of the brisket flat. I didn't need to add any kosher salt. There's already salt, sodium that is in the hot sauce. Didn't need any more. And my plan was I was going to put it in the refrigerator, cover it, and let it marinate with that Buffalo Frank's hot sauce and that coarse pepper for two full days. And I did. Actually, two and a half days. I pulled it out. I, when I use the pellet smoker or any smoker, I do not like to get my meats to room temperature, and I'll tell you why. If you are trying to generate a nice crust and you use a low temperature with a high smoke setting, you don't want the center of the meat to get too hot too quick. You want it to start ramping up from a low temperature, say 40 degrees. I don't want it to be at room temperature 70 degrees. That's 30 degrees I don't have to play with now that I'm going to lose on the smoker. And my goal is to build a low and slow bark. I do not spray my briskets. For this particular uh, 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 cook session, for a full packer brisket, if I'm going to put it on overnight, I will keep it at 195 to 200 degrees high smoke setting. And I used 100% oak. I don't use any of the pellets that have any oils in them, and a synthetics, 100% natural hardwood oak. 10.30 Sunday night, about a half an hour before I get ready to hit the sack. I turn on the pellet smoker, got to get it fired up. takes about six minutes to get the fire in the pot burning. Set it for 175 degrees at high smoke setting. For a brisket flat, you don't want to cook it, if I'm going to cook it overnight, you want it low and slow. Now, for a full packer brisket, I will set it to 200 because you're going to need all that, that heat and that time. But for a flat, it doesn't need that much time. 175 degrees, high smoke setting, moisture content remains. It's below the point at which uh, you know, water starts to boil. I do put a water pan. If 
but I don't spray the brisket. I put a water pan, fill it with water so you get some nice moist, little humidity while it's, it's smoking. Put it on once it hits temperature of 175, shut it, set it, and forget it. Go to sleep. I get up the next morning. I check it about 8 a.m., and I have a magnificent bark. It is perfect. Beautiful, dark, charry bark. 170, about 172 degrees internal temperature. It is ready for wrapping. I then wrap it in butcher paper. And I spray the butcher paper first with a little apple cider vinegar. Place the brisket flat on it. Spray the brisket flat with a little apple cider vinegar. Then I fold it. And the apple cider vinegar on the paper allows you to really get a nice tight fit. Easier than a hard, crunchy uh, paper roll. Put it back on. Up the temperature to 225 degrees until I get an internal. Now, some people will tell you 203, 200. My guide is anything above 200 as long as I have probe tenderness. When I take my Thermapen MK4 and I stick that probe into the various areas of the brisket, it should be tender. It should be like going through butter or like going through peanut butter. Kept it on two and a half hours later. I see it's about 210, 212 degrees. Take my thermometer, probing it. Perfect. Beautiful. Comes off. Now, that was probably about 11 a.m. Now, I'm not going to serve this until about 4.30, 5 o'clock. First thing I did is I pulled it out, let it rest at room temperature for 10 minutes. Now, I've got a hole in the top of the wrap brisket because that's where I put my probe in when it's on the on the smoker. So what I did was I just uh, use my to check if it's tender, I take my thermopen, I use that one hole. I don't put, I don't put 3 4 5 6 8 holes in there. That hole will allow some heat to escape. You want the cooking process to stop. 10 minutes will do that. Then I put it in my warming drawer. I've got a double oven on the bottom. I've got a third warming drawer. I remember when I uh, decided I was going to put a warming drawer in, I'm like, oh, wait, that'll be great. I'll use that to keep food warm. Never used it for like 15 years until I became a pit master. And the secret is, and what barbecue award-winning barbecue joints across the country do when they take their brisket off the smoker or their ribs, whatever the case is, they let it sit for about 10 minutes to stop the cooking process, and they stick it in a warming drawer that is temped between 150 to 170. I kept mine at right around 150 degrees. I placed it in, the metal, in a metal pan in the warming drawer, shut it. Didn't do anything until I'm ready to serve around 4.45 p.m. So now what happens at 150 degrees it keeps it warm, but the collagen continues to keep breaking down, turning into gelatin, and now you get an even moister, tender brisket. Open it up. The oohs and ahs from the crowd were unbelievable. I put it on a slicing board. Juicy, tender, succulent, off the charts. And brisket flat can be very difficult because some parts are thin. I had a nice, juicy brisket all the way through. I cut about the first inch off the end, and I turn those into cubes. I call those the sugar cookie. You hand those out to everybody that's around as they're watching. And then I cut it, sliced it off the charts. I think probably yielded about maybe 
four and a half pounds of meat. So you do have a lot of the fat that breaks down. You do have a lot of moisture content in the meat that does uh, escape, but juicy, tender, off the charts. And the key to brisket, I find, let it smoke while you're sleeping. If you're going to do a full packer brisket and you want it on there for probably 12, 14 hours before you rest it, great. Start it at 7 o'clock at night. Again, 107, ah, for full packer brisket, I'd probably go 200 degrees. 200 degrees, start at 7 at night. I'm talking about a 15, 16 pound brisket. By the time you get up the next morning, 7, 8 o'clock, you'll find it'll be probe tender. It'll be ready. Or not probe tender. It'll be right at the temperature, about 170, 175. Great bark. It'll be ready for wrapping. And then by the time you're done, probably 11 o'clock in the morning, 11.30, you put it in your warming drawer, and it's ready to serve. And if you want to serve it for an early lunch or lunch, noon, 1 o'clock, just shift it a little bit earlier, but get it in that warming drawer. That is the, the secret. People say, put it, in a, put it in a cooler. Forget that. I'm telling you, even if your oven only goes to 170, fine. Put it at 170, stick it in the oven for a few hours. You will thank me. Dramatic difference. Award-winning brisket. I think we're going to start to do some videos on that maybe towards, uh, maybe right in October. We'll start to do that because I've had a lot of people saying, hey, can you demonstrate it on video? Sergeant Steve, let's mark that down. I think we're going to have to go into the pit and we're going to have to do that. And the nice thing is, is that once we put that in overnight, we set it and forget it. It was fantastic. Hey, lastly, this is, this is great. During the Bills-Rams game on Thursday, all of a sudden you hear the announcers, Mike Tirico, saying, oh, there's somebody coming on the field. And then you see this smoke, this pink smoke all over the place. And nobody, they didn't really say what it was, who it was. Well, the story came out yesterday. Two animal rights activists. You know these people are vegan nutcases. They stormed onto the field while the Bills were shellacking the, the, uh, the Los Angeles sheep. The women identified as Emic Echo and Katya Shokrai with direct action everywhere ran across the SoFi Stadium field holding up pink smoke flares and they said they were trying to highlight attention to the upcoming Smithfield Foods factory farm whistleblower trial. They were tackled by security guards. One of them lost their flare. And uh, Bill's quarterback, Josh Allen, tossed the flare all the way into the end zone, picked up by a security guard. I think that Josh Allen should have probably gotten at least two points for doing that. Add two points to the Bill's score. And I'm looking at these two nutcases. Typical vegan-looking whack jobs. Not happy with meat. Not happy with anything. They're just miserable people. America runs on meat. America loves brisket. America loves ribs. America loves hot dogs. America loves burgers. America loves chicken wings. America loves their meat. It's not going to change. I don't care what these climate change activists, these vegan activists, they can all go to hell as far as I'm concerned. They will never get in the way between me, my dead quality animal meat, my smoker, and my grill. Not in a million years. All right, tomorrow marks the first Sunday of football. I'll be watching all day. Again, I feel like I'm getting ripped off. I want another Bills game tomorrow. I'm ready, as is all Bills Mafia. Enjoy that. Whatever you put on your grill or on your smoker, enjoy it. 
Enjoy it with friends. Enjoy some great cigars, great libations. Cigar Dave, the general, saying, may your humidor always be full. May your cutter always be sharp. May your ash be extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Live it up. Go Bills. <laughs>